Oh, hey, girl. It's Tess Rouse and Christina Beattie. We're the co-hosts and creators of Authentically Wild. A podcast that may literally transform your understanding about life, relationships, and your healing journey. So get ready, girl. Shit's about to get wild. Motherhood is challenging all in itself, but when you pair it with a dysregulated nervous system, it can literally feel crippling and fully overwhelming. Nervous system dysregulation can affect every area of your life and can become intensely heightened as you venture into parenthood. Today, Christina and I are chatting about discovering our own dysregulation and what that looked like as we started and entered the ring of motherhood. And more importantly, what we have learned that can help you regulate your own nervous system so that you can get the most out of your own experiences, especially those with your kids. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey. (laughs) It's been a while. Oh my gosh. It's been a while. I'm excited. I know this one's going to be a a good one. We know our, our mother wound episode was one of our most popular. So mm-hmm. this is sort of the flip side of that, which is entering motherhood and, and maybe some of the, the experiences that have come along with that journey. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about it lots. I, you and I have talked about it lots. It's been a journey and <laughs> con- continues to be a journey one that has really lifted the veil of everything within me and has taken me down this path within myself of like, I didn't even know these pieces. It's just the awareness that I've built and yeah, it's just wild. It's wild. Yeah, it really is. I, I remember leaving the hospital, like with Thea, our our first child and just thinking, no one is giving me any like notes, instruction manual, (laughs) you know, I think the world prepares us so much for pregnancy and labor, but what about actually raising this human being? Um, and, and even just navigating ourselves through that experience, like it is, it is life altering for anyone listening who has not become a parent yet, or is venturing into that, or even just, you know, maybe you're an aunt an uncle, whatever it is, like it is, it's just a full test of kind of all your coping mechanisms, all your skills, all your strengths. It, it really is. And I don't think it's something that we're prepared for enough. And, and I think that's openly talked about enough. It's almost like shamed, right. In a way. And so I I think I can speak on behalf of you and I, that we both love our children. We love being Mm. mothers. It has amazing joys and experiences, but what we really want to share today is some of the the darker pieces of that journey. And yeah. I think also how we've learned to sort of deal and heal those so that we can really embrace uh, this journey of parenthood, because it's a lot of the time, just what's whatever's on Instagram and the fun trips and the fun little moments, but there can be like really dark times, especially in the beginning, as you're beginning to navigate what this new role is like and all the things you that helped you through life before and other relationships kind of go out the window once you become a parent, it's a whole another level of relationship. Yeah. And, and when I hear you talking about that, there's, I felt so much shame in the beginning, not number one, not really understanding what was going on within me on a physical level. I mean, I'm only really starting to truly understand that now shame around like, why wasn't this more enjoyable for me? Why didn't I feel happier and more joyful? 
And, you know, there were moments, of course, like it wasn't all dark, but it is not talked about enough, like the mental health piece and the stuff that comes up when you start to raise this little human that is mirroring back all of your own stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's just wild. So I'm so happy that we're talking about this piece. And I do really think that this is going to land with so many of our listeners, whether you are a mother or not, you're planning to have kids, you're not planning to have kids. Like this is going to be a great episode for you because we're going to touch on not just the motherhood piece, but dysregulation. And what does that look like in our bodies? How does that show up? Because I did not know until I became a mom, what was truly going on within me. And it's just, it's just so crazy. It's like, you don't know till you know. And then once you know, (laughs) you can never unsee it. Like it's, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. You know, as much as people don't prepare us to become parents, or I shouldn't say people, but the world, our education, whatever it is, going back to sort of like, what is dysregulation and what is the nervous system and all of that? We are not even taught in school, like how our bodies operate how they work. And so then to navigate something like parenthood or motherhood, not understanding how, why you are reacting the way you are, why you're feeling the way you are. It's like, we're driving a car and we have no idea where the accelerator, where the brake is, how to shift, how to put on our seatbelt. So I think that's kind of the first piece that I wanted to touch on today is this is a really like surface level understanding of the nervous system and dysregulation, which is all scientific and all psychology based. And that's really why I think as well, this episode can relate to anyone outside of parenthood. Christine and I, I think we'll do a a more in-depth podcast episode on the nervous system and, and dysregulation because it really can stem into all the other areas of your life too. Yeah. 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 And just to say as well, we are not doctors. (laughs) So let us just also preface with that take this at face value. This is us based on our own experiences and, and, and a bit of our own research, but we are not doctors. We are just, you know, sharing what we know, sharing what we've learned, sharing what we've experienced. So <laughs> absolutely. So any keywords, look them up yourself and take your own understanding of them for sure. Yes. There's lots of ways dysregulation shows up, but just in terms of like a definition that I found that resonate resonates is that a dysregulated nervous system will often cause us to respond, whether that's thoughts, feelings, behaviors in a disproportional way to an event person situation. So that could look like underreacting or I'm sure more people can relate to overreacting, right? Yeah. So your kids are, you know, dawdling around, you're trying to get out the car, you're about to be late for work or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you're yelling, get your shoes on. <laughs> it's like, what, where did that come from? Right. So that is when you, and that's when you go into dysregulation. So, well, I shouldn't say dysregulation. That's when your nervous system goes into a different state, right? Your right. fight or flight, sympathetic. Um, and so I think just to understand what we're going to talk about today, know that your nervous system becomes dysregulated because of two things. One, we are facing danger in our present experience. So, you know, like you're on a hike and a bear pops out, like mm-hmm. you, your nervous system is going to react to that. That is like a human innate instinct. Thank God we have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is that, and this is where it becomes more unhealthy in some cases is that we perceive there is a danger or a threat and our nervous system then goes into reacting to that. And so typically that looks like something, let's say 
you were in a relationship and maybe the person you were with was like super emotionally abusive. And then you find yourself trying to get into your next relationship and you just can't, and you can't connect with anyone. It's because your body now is perceiving that that could be a threat. Being in an intimate relationship is a threat when obviously that's a very broad brushstroke of all people. Right. But it's the way basically our nervous system works off a database and it goes back and says, okay, do we have any similar experiences like this? And if they were negative or they caused us harm or they caused us pain, our body will want to know how did we respond back then? Okay. We'll respond the same way now because that's what kept us safe. That's what kept us alive, et cetera, et cetera. And so just to know, there's two reasons. One, we are facing danger. That's like our fight or flight response kicks in, or we're perceiving that there is a threat or danger mm. based on past experiences that have happened to us. And so it's really important to understand that. When we talk about dysregulation, again, once our nervous system perceives a threat or sees a threat, it goes into three different states, depending on, again, our past experience, the current environment we're in. One is called ventral or vagal, which is you would experience this response in your nervous system when you're with friends or you're in a calm state, you're happy, you can really experience joy, you're not anxious. The second is called your sympathetic and that's your fight or flight. So when you're in danger, you burn your hand, um, someone threatens you, you get in a car accident, you go into sympathetic. And the third is called dorsal. And that's basically where you become like fully immobilized. That's when your body knows we are about to experience pain, whether that be like physical, emotional, et cetera. And your body can flood yourself literally with chemicals so that you are numb to feeling that pain. Would yeah. those be chemicals like cortisol, adrenaline, that kind of thing? Uh, somewhat. Like a lot of those are also experienced in sympathetic, right? That's what drives that adrenaline for fight or flight. Dorsal is, is actually almost different, like where it's literally numbing out like, like your, ah. your senses of experiencing pain. I'm not exactly sure which chemicals they are. I'm sure it's a yeah. mix of some of those, but other ones as well, where you literally go into shutdown mode, like yeah. you're immobilized, you can't move. So throughout our lives, we can go into all of those states. You know, it's, it's almost like a scale. However, we should predominantly be in um, the, the, va- the, the ventral or vagal state, right? right? To experience true happiness, to really feel like you're getting the most out of each experience to being present, that's in ventral and vagal. Yes. And what, you know, research is showing more and more with mental health kind of almost on the verge of collapse, I think for most people is more and more people are not getting back to that state. They're getting stuck in these other two, primarily sympathetic fight or flight. And so you may be, you know, at a kid's birthday party and you like just want to enjoy the moment, but you're like your anxiety, you're rushing around, you're trying to watch the kid and you're getting anxious. You're, 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 you're staying in sympathetic. You're not being able to go back to ventral. And so again, this is the last piece I'll really say is that people who have experienced mass amounts of trauma and I will caveat trauma is not an incident that happens. It is just an overwhelming feeling and response of your nervous system. So for every person, trauma could be experienced completely different. If that continues to happen to you throughout your life, you will be, your nervous system will begin to get stuck in one of those three states and it's not ventral or vagal. Mm -hmm. So then you begin living your life in sympathetic, which means you have a dysregulated nervous system. Your nervous system is not able to go back into that state of peace, joy, happiness, calmness. And that's why then 
you know, a lot of people I find in their thirties are like, I'm doing all the things and my life looks great, but like, I'm really not happy. I'm not, why do I feel this way? Right. Why do I feel this way? And motherhood is a classic example of this. I should say parenthood as well, because I'm sure some dads experience it, but you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have these babies and it's going to be so amazing. And then you're just in a constant state of controlling anxiety, worry, et cetera. Well, it's so funny. Cause then I was going to say, and then enter motherhood where, <laughs> you know, not only do you have the, you know, now I have to take care of this little human, the control that needs to go into that. Right. And the lack of sleep. Um, but then you've also got things like postpartum depression, which is like actual, like the chemical piece in your body. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these factors that start to stack up against you. And I mean, for you and I, I mean, when I entered into motherhood, I, I became completely overwhelmed. I became completely overwhelmed by it. And I mean, I now realize that I, that I, in hindsight, looking back, I can see that I was completely dysregulated my whole life. And then motherhood tipped that scale. Right. Um, my anxiety didn't realize I had that as well. And then I, I'm pretty sure I was also dealing with postpartum depression, not to mention a lack of sleep. And it was like, my life started to fall apart because of my mental health, because of everything that was going on within me. Um, yeah. And it's just so interesting because, and then add on top of that, the shame of not feeling like I'm enjoying it of not feeling like I wanted to just suck up every moment to smell my baby in the newborn snuggles. And I was like, yes, I love those, but I was so overwhelmed in fight or flight that I couldn't enjoy most of it. Now I can look back and see that my whole life I had, I had managed to do really well for myself because I could control everything. I could control Mm -hmm. everything. And if I could control everything, there was a sense of calm there, maybe not calm, but just a bit more ease. Right. Then motherhood hit and I realized, okay, at first I'm going to be able to control Max's sleep schedule. I'm going to be able to control what he eats. I'm going to be able to control the whole day. And just like this control started to really take over even more. Mm -hmm. Um, But then around two years, right around the time that I had Zoe and then so add in another baby and Max started to kind of show some challenging behaviors. My, I started to lose control. Like it was literally falling through my fingers and everything I had controlled up until that point, I couldn't anymore. It was so funny. I remember even with his schedule, I would like write down specific times and exactly what he was eating. And like, whoever was taking care of him (laughs) that day, like whether it was my mom or Brad's mom, I would write down very specifically exactly what time he had to go to sleep, how long he needed to sleep for what he was going to be eating. I thought that was okay. Now I look back and I'm like, Oh my goodness. I did the same thing. I had like PDF booklets. (laughs) Yes. I wrote out (laughs) templates and then I would just build. I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. So I'm not the only one. No. Um, And, you know, so then he started to show some challenging behaviors. There was more defiance. He didn't really want to listen to me. If I said something, he'd throw it. Right. And I was just like, what is going on here? I had always seen parenting as, as the parent is in control and the child listens. Well, no, Max was going to show me that that is exactly what wasn't going to happen. And for the first time, yeah, I realized that I didn't really have control. And 
I really started to dig into my own stuff. I realized that I had to dig into my own stuff because something was not working here and me trying to control him was not working. So I really, you know, hit a rock bottom with my mental health. This was a few years ago and I really had to start to dig into all my own stuff. And as I began to do this, you know, build awareness of what was going on within me, build awareness of my past, of my trauma, of this piece around realizing that I had lived with anxiety my whole life. And I'm going to dig into that piece as well after this. Um, I had been dysregulated the whole time and I didn't know, you know, because I had had this idea of what that looked like. And I was like, that's not me, you know, and it, it just, it just was so wild that all of a sudden it became so, so clear to me that I had some serious work to do within myself. Right. And I, I think hearing you say your story and me being like, yeah, me too, me too. It's just crazy to think that so many women, especially because again, I think motherhood comes as a very big shock to our systems. Like a lot of us perceive, I will be the parent. I'll create these little structures and boundaries. And my kids will just do, 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 get in line and things will be so cute. And like, there'll be these little birthday parties and everything will be great. And then when we actually get into it, we're like, holy F this is not how things are feeling, but to the world, we have to keep up that persona. Yep. So to everyone else, look at my cute little baby with its little bow on. Meanwhile, no one knows I've cried for two hours into my pillow this morning Mm. because of like how overwhelmed I am. You know what I mean? And so I think your experience is probably often very similar to a lot of the listeners that are listening Mm. to this. And and so I'm so glad that you brought that up because for anyone who's experienced it or will be, it's normal until you realize like why your body is reacting that way. Mm. I'm probably from us growing up in a similar way where we were in like constant fight or flight. And so our need to control creates this sense of safety and security in our lives. And that's how you become like high functioning, but quite dysregulated on the inside. Right. It's funny when I was listening to you just say about the piece about crying into your pillow, it reminded me that when Max was three days old, we took him to a wedding. I was like, we're going to make it to this wedding. We're going to make it to our (laughs) friend's wedding. Meanwhile, my milk had just come in. My boobs were so engorged. I was in Mm -hmm. so much pain. I'm going to fit into this dress. I'm going to dress him up in this little newborn outfit for the wedding. We're going to do this. We're going to right. We did it. We went to this wedding. I remember I was so stressed. I was sweating. I went, my, my milk was going everywhere. I was trying to feed him outside of this wedding on a metal chair in the dark under a light because I didn't want to feed him inside there. And I remember crying and being mm. like, why can't I have this all together? What's wrong here? Like I, this, I should be able to do this. Like, and it's yeah. just, oh, it's so wild. It is. It really is. I know my story is really similar to you in in where I think I was dysregulated for a lot of my life as well. Just like how I got brought up being in constant fight or flight. And so as an adult, I just learned to control everything, right. Whether that be my career, um, you know, being a leader in, in the space where I was like, I got to dictate like how things happened again in my marriage. I took on a very caregiver role. So it's almost like, I thought that's how parenting would be. (laughs) I will care for you and you will fall in line. Um, But yeah, then enter little children who 
don't know how to regulate their emotions, are having constant outbursts, triggering me myself. It's just, it's crazy. And I think I did the same things you did with bedtimes, feeding, what they were going to eat, but then their routines got switched up or their attention span changed or the things they like changed. And again, I would try and control, control. I remember getting a sleep consultant and doing like the cry it out method. And it was like breaking me open inside, but I just thought I need my sleep. Like I can't, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I realize it's because as that control began to be pulled away from me with having kids, they were a threat to my mental health mm-hmm. because the way I was staying stable was by being in control of everything, remove control. And I'm just a dysregulated mess. Yeah. <laughs> Motherhood really did push me too into that area where I began controlling all the aspects of my life in a very heightened way, especially because I wasn't quite winning the fight with motherhood. So I'll take everything else and really go 120%, right? Yeah. You know, for me in my rock bottom last year, I, I realized like I wasn't actually really being present or enjoying any aspect of my life. I was constantly thinking about what's the next move? What's the next thing? How do I control this? How do I create safety here? What I was creating was safety and security. And because that made me feel calm and, and like, you know, even tempered, I think I got that confused with enjoyment and happiness. And then I came to this point in my life where I was like, actually, I don't really, I wasn't actually in the moment. I don't think I actually am really happy. And then I just remember for you know, close to a year, just thinking there's just something wrong with me because like, how come I can't like really like suck the juices out of life? You know what I mean? And it's because I was just fully dysregulated. I wasn't in the ventral state where I could be really present. I was always thinking about what's next. How do I make sure that everything runs smoothly? How do I make sure like we create safety here? you know, that anxiousness, that fight or flight constantly. And it's because my nervous system was stuck. It wasn't that there was something wrong with me. It's that I was conditioned to be in that state because that's how I survived my childhood. Yes. Yeah. And isn't it so wild how like that awareness of it, it's all of a sudden like something clicks and you're like, whoa, this is why, you know, because I remember having like I remember having that awareness too, where all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness, like, it's actually not Max, it's me. It's me. It's a dark day for anyone who gets to that point and discovers that it's you, it's not them. (laughs) Yeah. And even now too, I'm learning so much more about dysregulation and nervous nervous system. You and I have been talking about it so much and I'm, it's like light bulb after light bulb. I'm like, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it's like all these connections get made and it's just, it's just so wild, you know? And I, I listened to you say the piece around your whole life, how you would function, the perfectionism, the achievement, all of that. It resonates so much for me because I mean, number one, I, I was the exact same way, you know? And I, I, when I look back now, I can see, especially in my twenties that I realized if I could do well in school, if I could get the job that that was a good job to have in society, if I could save my money, all of that, not only would that make me feel better about myself, but it would also allow me to feel so much more control, quote unquote, right? Mm -hmm. Like control outside of me, but I thought I felt it inside, but now 
with all this awareness that I built, I remember one day I stumbled across, and this was, you know, into my healing journey, I stumbled, stumbled across this piece around high functioning anxiety. And this was when I was starting to learn about anxiety, because up until that point, when I thought of anxiety, I thought, you know, you look at someone and they just can't handle life. They, they isolate themselves or they mm-hmm. like, you know, their body, they, they don't have control of their body or they, they have a hard time breathing. Like there was so many of these stereotypes that I thought about it. And sure, those are pieces of it. But then I stumbled as I started to learn that maybe, okay, I had anxiety within me. I stumbled across high functioning anxiety and all of a sudden I was like, whoa, again, one of those light bulb moments, because I realized that, you know, and I'm going to go through what that looks like for anybody who's listening. This might be eye-opening for you as well. It was, it was such a different way of understanding anxiety. And I was like, uh, yep, this is me (laughs) (laughs) because what's interesting about, um, high functioning anxiety, it's different than a generalized anxiety disorder, because with a generalized anxiety disorder, usually this looks like the person removing themselves from a situation. This is your flight response, right? Like I can't go out. I can't go there. There's a lot of fear around that, like avoid, avoid, but with high functioning anxiety, this is actually a person pushing themselves to work harder in order to combat the anxiety. And this Mm -hmm. is your fight response. And The way that this comes across is, you know, somebody is high achiever, highly organized, detail oriented, perhaps a more outgoing personality, proactive perfectionism, right? Mm -hmm. Check, 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 right? Check off the entire list. And, and I can see in all of those pieces, this is about externally controlling, right? Mm -hmm. To feel that control within you. I was just like, holy crap, this is what I've been dealing with my whole life. And then all of a sudden motherhood hit and it's like, I tried so hard to keep up with the perfectionism and the detail orientation, right? Look at those lists that we'd make with the food and the sleep schedule, being highly organized, being highly organized, still achieving so much and presenting myself in a certain way. And it all fell apart because I couldn't anymore. I literally could not. It was like, there were too many pieces to the puzzle that I could not control anymore. Right. percent. Dysregulation is the root of probably most anxiety disorders, right? Especially oh, that yeah. and really high functioning anxiety is how it externally looks like, and, and it's how you actually then behave because you're dysregulated on the inside. Yes. Yeah. Because you start to get I mean, we were talking about experiences or I I was saying about the postpartum piece and the chemicals and all that, the lack of sleep. So now you have even more dysregulation occurring. Mm -hmm. So now you're trying to control even more with that high functioning piece. Mm -hmm. And for me, it completely crumbled. It crumbled. And I did for the first time, I realized that I didn't have any control over anything. I had totally lost control. And then this is when I really began to dig even more into my healing, working through so much of my trauma, right? This is when I built that spiritual connection and learning how to surrender. This is again, a constant practice, Mm -hmm. but that, and, and that is the thing is that like, it is just a journey. It's, I don't think we ever get to this point of, oh, I'm healed. Like I'm good. I don't have anxiety anymore. Because again, like you said, it's, it's a symptom, right? And if we're aware of the dysregulation, the anxiety probably isn't going to show up as much. So it's really about being aware of the dysregulation each day. 
Yeah. And I, I think there's also ways that we begin to heal that dysregulation so that, you know, those three different sort of categories your autonomic nervous system puts you into because right like our bodies are constantly scanning every day millions of things are being filtered through our brain like is this danger is this a threat like you don't even know what your body is taking in and so it's this amazing filter system you know there's so many researchers out there that talk about it but if you can dig into why you what like what happened to put you into maybe that that area of dysregulation and begin to heal that Mm. you can venture back into that ventral vagal state more often. Like I find since I've been researching a lot of this and doing my own healing around it, it's not that I don't get triggered by Thea and Turner ever, Mm. but I see it when it's happening. I also like knowing more about child psychology that one, they don't know yet how to regulate themselves. So anger, tantrums is a call for help. I need something. And it really, it, what it says, it's not a lack of empathy on their part. It's a lack of skill. And yes. so it's my job now to come in and stay in that ventral regulated state, which is hard, especially as you're healing it, right? Cause it's not automatic. And then show them how to regulate. Yes. Right. And I I find myself, I more now, like I used to automatically go into sympathetic fight or flight. They're having a tantrum. I'm having a tantrum. Like, yeah, it was just triggering, mirroring, boop, boop, boop. Like I'm sure lots of moms can relate your kids yelling, you're yelling and, and you just go up and up and up and up. Now there's this split second where I'm like, okay, take a deep breath. I'm going to remain calm. And eventually, if I can hold it, dependent obviously on what episode they're going through, like how long it is, Mm -hmm. they will regulate. And so I think seeing that basically tells my body, okay, now we have sort of disproving evidence. If you stay calm, they will calm. And then the more and more experiences I have like that, the more often when they are triggering me, I can stay regulated. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you touched on this piece because I also found it's so, so, so helpful, like learning how to co-regulate with them by first going back, like you said, and, and doing that work within myself of when I was a child in some of those moments and some of those traumas, right. Mm-hmm. And giving the child within me what she needed to feel safe and secure and seen, Right. So that now I can do this at present if I'm experiencing something or when the kids are experiencing it, you know, Yes. like that piece is so, so, so important because like you said, otherwise we're just having a tantrum with them because we're going back to that moment where we felt stuck in that, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And that's that second piece, right? We go into dysregulation for two things, one, an immediate danger in our present state or a perceived threat. And so what you're talking about there, and that is part of healing your nervous system is somatically going back to whatever those experiences are, giving that younger version of you the validation that yes, for you, that was a dangerous circumstance, experience, relationship, whatever it was, but we no longer need to be scared or in fight or flight in that same relationship, in that same experience, because we have different tools now that we're an adult. Right. And I think it's about releasing that because basic dysregulation comes from unresolved trauma or an experience that is still stuck in you. And that's why your nervous system is getting stuck there because it's perceiving that every situation similar to that is danger. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I just think that's such a great point that you made is going back and really digging up, like, why was I in fight, fight or flight? Like what types of situations, experiences, and then you can even, as you see those things come into your present life, I feel like this yes. is going to be triggering for me. How can I regulate myself? And I think, you know, regulation is really about feeling, not logically thinking it. Yes. So, you know, I think a lot of moms are like, well, like I told myself, I just, I wasn't going to get angry with them anymore. When they start freaking out, I'm just going to like take a deep breath. But next thing you know, the next day, their kids are irritating them and they're red in the face yelling at them again. It's yeah. because your logical piece of your brain gets hijacked by your nervous system, right? You don't get to access that part when you go into fight or flight. Your body fully takes over. Yeah. All that logical thing is like up in an attic and you can't access it when you are in sympathetic. Yeah. Right. So it's it's more about healing the nervous system so that its first response is to stay regulated and yeah. not go into dysregulation because you can't talk your way out of it. I, I really, truly, oh, I, I feel so good that we're talking about this because this conversation is just such a solid reminder of how much shame I was able to work through by understanding what was going on within me. Yes. I was so freaking dysregulated and I used to hold so much guilt and shame for those early years of motherhood. And listen, I still have days where I'm like, man, I really wish I could known, could have known more and done better. Mm -hmm. But knowing what I know now about what was actually going on in my body and in the trauma that I I had experienced, and I was literally like stuck in, in this trauma. And then all of a sudden I was triggered every day and just my nervous, like knowing what I know now, it has helped me release so much shame around this piece with motherhood and also create so much more motivation to just keep doing this work because it's so good because the thing is, we are going to continue to get triggered. And it's not actually the absence of the triggers. It's learning how to support ourselves through it. And then through that work, we learn how to support our children, you yes. know, because, you know, if there's one thing I'm learning about co-regulation, about learning how to regulate with the kids, we have to be able to be in that emotional space with them while they're having those big emotions We have to be able to validate what they're experiencing and also set boundaries. You know, you can, and you can't do this, Mm -hmm. showing them how to ride the emotion, providing love and support, and then talking to them afterwards when they're regulated. But listen, we can't do any of those things if we have not done them for ourselves first. Exactly. This work is so life-changing. It's I can't say it enough. Just for anyone listening who's like, well, how do I even begin to regulate my nervous system? There's some really good people in this space. Sarah Baldwin is one of them. She is like a somatic therapist and nervous system expert. And this is all psychology based, regardless of if you have a spiritual practice or not. Understanding your machine and scientific how you regulate it. Yeah. There are like mechanisms and tools that can really aid you in that once you understand how your body is physically working. Yeah. That could be meditation reading, writing. And I feel like those practices are the things that always get cut on like the daily to-do list. Mm -hmm. But I mean, they, if those are the things that ground you and regulate you and put you in that ventral state at the beginning of the day, the middle of the day, they're going to impact all the other things you're doing, mothering and parenting included. And if you're skipping those, you're not really giving your nervous system even a chance, especially as your 
trying to come out of maybe a stuck state. Maybe it's fight or flight, right? Yeah. Really challenge yourself to put those up. Maybe it's running. Maybe it's getting, you know, physical in your body, doing a workout. Maybe it's eating right. There's so many things like somatically feeling into your day and into your body, creating that state of calm because the world is not going to present you with a platter of like, here's calmness and regulation for you. That's just, it's not going to happen. The world is challenging motherhood included. So it's your job and it's your responsibility to figure out a way to bring that into your daily practice. A hundred percent. And, and I would, I would add to that piece for me. So not only has it been doing, it's been about doing the inner work, especially learning how to work through my triggers that has been fundamentally life-changing, but moving the energy as well. That also is something I have to do every day. And I can see now like on a very deep level, like at first moving my body every day, I think was always something I just loved to do. But Mm -hmm. now I can see that perhaps on a deeper soul level, it was me being like, no, but this is actually how you also move that energy and you move those emotions because now, and and get regulated because Mm now after I go for a run, it's like, again, it, it can completely change any mood, anything I'm experiencing. So for, for anyone listening, like you need to find those things that are going to help you find that regulation in your day. And you have to make them a non-negotiable and, mm-hmm. and you can say, Oh, I don't have time. But if you're serious about this, you, you got to find a way. Like I remember I'd have the kids and I'd work out with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you know, I try my best to wake up before them and do some writing or you got to try to find that time because this, this is really where you have the opportunity to change patterns, to change your life, to change the path for the kids, like whatever that is. Yeah. starts with this work. And, and I think that is a key takeaway from today for anyone, like what you just mentioned there is that it might seem selfish, like, oh, I'm, I got, mm-hmm. I'm going to the gym, I'm taking time away from my family, or I'm going to go meditate or do breath work or go for a walk, whatever it is. But that's not just benefiting you, as you just so clearly showed there. It yeah. is going to be like a ramification into all the other pieces of your life, including the relationship with your children. Yeah. If you cannot regulate yourself, they will not be able to regulate. And that is yeah. one of your jobs as a parent is to help them through that. Right. So it's yeah. not selfish. If anything, think of it, I'm doing this for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And I, I do want to add there as well, because you mentioned um, Sarah Baldwin, another resource that has really helped me a lot on my journey, especially learning about anxiety and learning also how to hold that space for my emotions and and that inner child within me. Cheryl Paul is also really Mm. good. She's got a book called the wisdom of anxiety. It's taught me so much about myself, about anxiety. Um, And she just also has this very gentle, compassionate approach and she's worked with hundreds of clients over the years. She's, yeah, it's a great, great book. One of my favorites. So that is a good one. One last thing I wanted to mention too, is for anyone struggling to find time to do it. I heard this, I don't know. It was like a TikTok or something, but this guy's like, you know, when you tell your friend, you're going to meet them for coffee, like you're going for coffee, right? Mm. Like you don't just like not show up or when your boss is like, Hey, the project's due on Friday you're getting the project done by Friday. But why is it that when we make these promises to ourselves, I'm going to get up every day and exercise. I'm going to, I'm going to cut out whatever coffee or I don't know, whatever it is, whatever habit you're trying to do. Then all of a sudden it becomes negotiable. Eh, I'm going to sleep in. Eh, I have like laundry to do. 
you wouldn't do that to anyone else. So your relationship with yourself should actually be probably the one that you show up to the most as opposed to the one for your boss or the one with your friend. But isn't it so funny how those become non-negotiables for us, but our commitments to ourselves don't? become curious about that. And, you know, if that helps you like that framing, like you wouldn't do that to someone else. So don't start doing it to yourself. Right. Because that's what really erodes that self-trust. And if you're really trying to improve yourself and really get on this journey of like regulating your nervous system, it really does start with you and you have to show up for yourself because no one is, is going to, and no one is able to do it for you. You have to. Yeah. A hundred percent. And just know that if you're struggling right now, If you're in the thick of it, you are definitely not alone. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have both been there and I mean, continue the ebb and flow of, of life and challenges, right? Like it's interesting. I find myself in kind of another piece right now and it, it doesn't end like life doesn't end. These challenges don't stop. We have to learn how to support ourselves through them. So if you're in the thick of it, again, know you're not alone. Feel free to reach out to Tesserai. We're always here if you need support. Um, you can find us on Instagram. You can find Tess on Instagram at her unearthed, as well as TikTok at her unearthed. And then you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Christina.soulempowered. So we hope that this episode can be really helpful for anyone listening. And yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out and let us know. Yeah, stay regulated, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Thanks, Bye. guys. Bye.